You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball. Welcome back to a new week of Major League Baseball, which means we got another set of shows here for Big Time Baseball here on Odyssey Sports. I'm Cody Decker. With me, as always, the one, the only, John Heyman. John, man, how are you doing? It's been weekend one of Major League Baseball. We are now going into week two. We've had some surprises to start the year. We've had some young phenoms take over the league. I mean, it's an exciting time to be a baseball fan. John, how are you doing, man? Absolutely. I mean, I, I love the young kids uh, leading off with Bobby Witt, who had that game winning hit his first game. I mean, Julio Rodriguez is going to be a big star. Lots of great young players. Great time to be a baseball fan. Really? And you mentioned Bobby Witt Jr. He's already living up to the hype. He's already your first number one favorite to be the AL Rookie of the Year. And normally you don't really look at Rookies of the Year uh, predictions before the season starts, but there is just such an influx of incredibly talented young players right now. You mentioned Bobby Witt Jr., but there's a guy over there in Cleveland for the Guardians right now absolutely demolishing everyone. Quan, not, not, not to quote Rod Tidwell of Jerry Maguire, but it's all about the Quan right now in Cleveland. Uh, he, the guy has been... I mean, he's he's got a 750 on base percentage. He's gotten on base 18 of his first 24 plate appearances. I've never seen a start like this in my life. Have you? I don't think anybody has. It's a record start to get on base 18 times in your first five games. He broke the Jay Bruce record. I mean, Stephen Kwan has not been a household name. I mean, I think he was drafted somewhere in the first five or six rounds, but not right at the top. I don't think anybody was expecting him to be a star right off the bat like this, so to speak, and uh, to have a 750 on base or so, or 800, whatever it is right now. Incredible. Uh, Oregon State product, just as Nick Madrigal uh, is, and uh, he's also a high on base guy. Guy puts his bat on the ball, and uh, it's interesting how they've turned out a couple of guys like this. But Quan off to an amazing start. Yeah, it's 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 staggering, John. It really is. And but boy, you know those Pac-10 slash Pac-12 kids like me, we just get on base, ladies and gentlemen. On top of that, other guys that are breaking into the league for the first time. Seiya Suzuki, two homers the other day, three so far. He's showing life over there in the, on the north side of Chicago. Man, it's just new faces, new names. I feel like we have a whole new Major League Baseball on our hands. 
Yeah, I mean, Seiya Suzuki, he's not the surprise because, I mean, he did sign for something like 75, 85, I think it was $85 million. Uh, Cubs obviously loved him. It looks like a winner early. I mean, obviously, it's a small sample size, but uh, he's been absolutely terrific. Looking at the numbers in Japan, I mean, it looked like he's going to be a star. I mean, uh, you know, the rep is, the thoughts are that, oh, the Japanese pitchers have done better than the hitters, but, I mean, Let's face it, uh, some of the hitters have been absolute superstars. Hideki Matsui, terrific hitter. Ichiro, Hall of Fame type hitter. Uh, Shohei Otani uh, was MVP last year, uh, arguably the best player in the game. So um, looking at his record in Japan, I think Suzuki should be a star, also good defensively, but what a terrific hitter he is. Also, some great other things happening throughout the league. If you were watching on uh, Monday evening or Tuesday evening, I should say, uh, Brett Phillips. There was a young girl over at the Tampa Bay Rays game. Huge Brett Phillips fan. Which, but by the way, knowing Brett Phillips, if you are not a Brett Phillips fan, you're, you're wrong. You should be a Brett Phillips fan. He's the, great, <laughs> he's the greatest person alive. Well, Brett Phillips yesterday homered while Chloe, who has been battling cancer before the game, gave uh, Brett Phillips uh, wristbands. He wore them, homered. And what the best part about the homer is Chloe was being interviewed as Brett Phillips was homering. It was just, it's every reason you love baseball. It was incredible. Just to see that on the replay as I did, um, I'm with you on, on Phillips. I mean, not just the airplane in the in the World Series. That was fantastic. But, I mean, he has fun out there. I think that's his marketing scheme is uh, – Baseball is fun, and it uh, that one really works on me. I know a lot of people try marketing, and I'm not easily marketed, but, uh, you know, uh, I thought that, that was great. He's a terrific personality, turned out to be a very good player uh, with the Rays, and I think everybody's rooting for him, particularly Chloe, and that was just a beautiful scene, and uh, to see him at that home run while she was being interviewed, fantastic. Well, well, maybe the highlight of the week. Absolutely. Another massive highlight of the week. We're talking about first in Major League Baseball. Alyssa Nacken um, broke another historic uh, barrier on Tuesday night, becoming the first woman to coach on the field in a Major League Baseball game, coaching first base. I think there is a photo that is going to last the test of time, and that's going to be this photo of uh, Eric Hosmer going over and shaking her hand before the inning. It's, I mean, I think we're even downplaying what a monumental thing this is with Major League Baseball right now, bringing her in, not to mention... Um, Please forgive me. I'm forgetting her name right now, but managing in uh, high Rachel, A for the yeah, Rachel, yeah, Rachel Vosvik. Yes, yeah, Rachel, Rachel managing Bosvick. in high A for the Yank Yankees. This is just it's just a brave new world here in Major League Baseball. And I'm glad to see it because it, it, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely great to see that. And uh, Alyssa Nacken has been a, um, a very uh, productive coach for them. And it was nice to see her get on the field, be a first base coach. A uh, nice way to break in there and uh, certainly broke a nice barrier. Fantastic. And uh, you're right, Rachel Balkovic, she won her first game uh, managing uh, for the Yankees minor league team in Tampa. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see these barriers being broken. We obviously have a, a female GM uh, with the Marlins that started this a couple of years ago with Kim Ang. And, uh, you know, you wonder how long it'll be before we have a uh, major league manager who's a woman. Uh, that would be a very, very nice thing if we get to that point while we're still around and baseball fans. And I certainly hope that does happen. Some unfortunate news in her first game, though, because right out the gate in her first game coaching first base, she's dealing with a very angry dugout, not directed at her, but directed at Mauricio Dubon. Now, 
I know a lot of old school guys. I'm an I'm listen. I love game the game growing and changing and making adjustments. But I am still very very got a lot of old school in me. Let's be real clear. I was trained my whole life by Reggie Smith. No one's more old school than Reggie. I, I remember when I was 13 years old, I got thrown at by Brad Leslie, who at the time was a major league closer. Um, I mean, it's part of the game. But watching Mauricio Dubon on Tuesday evening lay down a drag bunt with nobody on up by nine. Now I'm, I'm normally not a guy that sits around going, Oh, well, you know, the unwritten rules, you gotta, you gotta respect the game. I'm normally on the other side. When you see a th- guy swinging three Oh, listen, if it's three Oh, just hack, let's get it going. But I do kind of see the Padres and Bob Melvin's point of being angry by a drag bunt up nine runs that late in the game. I'm a big believer in the five after five rule. However, you know, Five is still not exactly a done deal that you're going to win that ball game, but nine feels pretty comfortable. Um, I would have taken exception to it as well. I've known Mauricio Dobon since he was like 17 years old. He's a great kid. He's extremely talented, but you know he does have flashes where he makes mistakes like this. And I, I truly do think this was a mistake. You saw Bob Melvin reacting. You saw Gabe Kapler reacting. What are your thoughts on this, John? Yeah, I mean, you're you're a young, old-school guy. I guess I'm an old, uh, new-school guy because it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, obviously, you, you're a professional baseball player. I didn't get past the uh, Hungry Harbor Little League in uh, 19, I don't know what that was, <laughs> 73. Uh, it was my last year playing baseball. So, I mean, you're more the expert on this. But uh, to me, they're all professionals. They're major leaguers. Uh, just play the game and uh, do it however you can. I mean, make a better pitch if you don't want the guy to bunt for a hit and keep playing. And, uh, you know, I've seen a nine-run lead go by the boards. I can't remember exactly when, but I'm sure I have. And, uh, I, you know, I just don't I, – I get that there were unwritten rules. I don't like any of them. And uh, I think you just got to play the game. I, I agree with you. Kapler did not react well to it at all. So I'm assuming that uh, he didn't like it based on his dugout reaction, although he supported Dubon afterward. Uh, you know, his comments didn't suggest he was upset, but I, I kind of believe what I saw in the dugout. And, uh, you know, I, I think probably every real baseball player agrees with you, but, you know, I'm not a real baseball player. I'm, I'm a, a fan and a journalist, and uh, I think you should always keep trying no matter what. I mean – if it's college sports and the score is 63 to nothing and there's a minute to go, yeah, don't throw the bomb. But in baseball, you know, it, it's it's not timed. You know, it, theoretically, anybody can come back. So to me, it didn't bother me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you, John, when it comes to unwritten rules, because as much as I am an ex-player and I understand the purpose of unwritten rules, here's one thing that I do not think should be tolerated anymore. If Mauricio Dubon or one of the Giants is thrown at, this is where I think the game needs to grow up a little bit, because at this point, throwing at guys to me is just beyond childish. I don't think it's a part of the should be a part of the game just because you don't like take exception to something somebody does. I think this could be solved with a conversation. Basically, what Gabe Kapler did in the dugout, I think, is all that needs to be done. Um, You know, I think it's something for Dubon to just learn from and everybody should move on. But if the Padres escalate this on Wednesday night, now now I have a serious problem when it comes to the quote unquote unwritten rules of baseball. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I never liked throwing at anybody, and uh, hopefully we're, we're going to get beyond that at some point. I know it's not completely, as we have suspensions for guys throwing at guys, and I like the fact that MLB has stepped up the suspensions, gone, given them more frequently, and longer suspensions. I would go even longer. To me, it's dangerous to throw at somebody, particularly if you throw 
you know, above the neck area. It's not good. And, uh, you know, I'm with you on that 100%. Yeah. I mean, trust me, if you've never been hit in the head by uh, a 98, it's not fun. I've been hit in the head with 98. It's a very unpleasant experience. And it's not just the unpleasant experience of having it happen. There's also the unknown of, you know, the residual effects that can be happening afterwards. I There was one time I got hit in the head in double A. I didn't really feel the results of it till three days later. I had to sit out two days. Oh um, my it God. was Yeah, it was a very unpleasant experience. And it wasn't like the guy was throwing me on purpose. It was a fastball that got away from him and accidents happen. But, you know, when you're doing that on purpose, listen, a baseball is a deadly weapon. That is a ball coming 98 at you, that ball is hard. It is dangerous. Guys get hurt. And uh, and I don't think that's something that should be threatened throughout the game in my personal opinion. Yeah, but I'm absolutely it. with you on that. I mean, as I said, I've, I only got to Little League and Spanky Weiss was our best pitcher and he threw about 50 miles an hour probably at 11 years old. So I never had that experience. But being in the minors, that's you've got to I, – I would feel – in danger because they obviously don't have the, in many cases, don't have the control that major leaguers do. So, um, you know, you're a tough guy though. So you're able to come back in two games. If I'm, if I'm in the head by a 98 mile fastball, I'm retiring. So good for you. <laughs> I'm done. It crossed, it crossed my mind once or twice. Uh, I wouldn't be, I I'd be lying if I, that wasn't the truth. Uh, well, you know, some good surprises so far at the beginning of the season. One in particular, a team that I've been railing against in last week, you were talking me down on, was the Colorado Rockies who were off to a great start to their season. They won four in a row. There is one person on the Rockies, though, that I'm very high on, and that's C.J. Crone. I feel like he's a power-hitting right-handed monster that no one really pays too much attention to in Major League Baseball. And you know what's funny about C.J. Crone? You know what the most incredible thing is? His brother, Kevin Crone, was an ex-teammate of mine, What maybe the best power-hitting right-handed hitter I've ever played with. Really? Wow. Well, I, yeah. you, you Unbelievable. Love- he's over in Japan right now. I mean, I, yeah, I know you uh, You probably sympathize with right-handed hitting power hitters, as you were one, so I'm sure you, you really like C.J. Crone, and that's great. You know, I think their team is probably better than we've given them credit for. I, I like their starting pitching. I think it's good. I mean, it's a little harder to judge in Coors Field. They obviously made the big signing. I know that a lot of people didn't love that signing because it was a lot of money, but, hey, it's not my money. It's Dick Monfort's money. He can spend it however he wants. Brian is obviously a very good player, and he's off to a good start. I, you know, I think their team is better than they were given credit for. But you know, in that division, you know, with the Dodgers and then the Padres and the Giants, it's going to be tough. I mean, very difficult competition, and um, I think we'll be surprised if they're anywhere but fourth this year. But still, better than than we thought at the beginning. And by the way, only about four, what, five, six games in, we've already had three position players pitching. I love baseball so, so much. It's just (laughs) the best. One of which being Brett Phillips, who made a great sliding catch by his dugout. God, he's just a joy to watch, isn't he? He's the best. Um, I like the D Gordon. Did you see the D Strange Gordon uh, pitch? Yes. uh, You talk about throwing it, guys. Everybody. (laughs) Was that a cover up, D? What was that? I don't think. I don't think so. I think he's just throwing slow. That's what I did, uh, John. Believe it or not, I pitched about yeah. my last two years. I think I threw about tw- uh, 12 innings in AAA in the PCL. Really? And yeah, I only gave up one run, and that was my fault. I gave up a run. By the way, it's so funny. It all comes together because the person that was hit by D. Strange Gordon the other day, that was uh, Darno. Right. I gave up my only run to Darno's brother, Travis Darno. 
Uh, he hit a solo home run off me for the Giants organization. And after that, I didn't give up another run. But here was my plan. And this is why I gave up the home run, John. I threw that pitch 62 miles per hour. That's my fault. That is way too hard. My goal from that <laughs> point forward was to get the ball under 45 miles per hour. I wanted to make sure that that ball never registered on the radar gun, and I succeeded. It's an art, John. It's a yeah. complete art. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you might have extended your career if you kept it under 60, uh, you know, like a speed limit. Like, remember when speed limit was 55? You should have yep. kept it under 55. You know, it's below hitting speed. Maybe, maybe you would have played another 10 years. I mean, I'm just know, saying. who knows? Or Just you know, saying. Who knows? My, car, my, my fastball at no point ever would have been pulled over on any highway in the United States. That's how good it was. <laughs> I feel so good about it. But, John, let's, let's get to the most important thing of the day. It is time for Heyman's Inside Corner. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I, I, I really am interested in a couple of these because there's one thing that's taking place in Major League Baseball, and that is in New York and the Bronx. Listen, Aaron Judge, New York Yankees, it was rumored that they were going to have a deal by hopefully opening day. Even, it was even kind of let out by one of the Yankees broadcasters that it was a done deal. Clearly not the case. So much so that Aaron Judge got booed the other day. So question number one for you, John, how far apart are the Yankees and Aaron Judge? And do you think this will get taken care of during the season, next offseason? What, what are we looking at right here? Yeah, first of all, that was Carlos Beltran who said they had a deal That's uh, right. on the air on his, uh, his debut with uh, Yes Network, and uh, they quickly told him to correct it. And a lot of people still thought they, they must have had a deal, and they just didn't want to let it out. There were all sorts of conspiracy theories, but that was not the case. They never had a deal, and they are just not that close. Right now, I'd estimate they're about $75 million apart. And, uh, you know, my, my second column in the uh, New York Post, um, I wrote about this, and I suggest that he's taking a big gamble, you know. And I've, I've since talked to some more executives who think he possibly could end up on the wrong side of this. We shall see. He's been obviously a terrific player. He is the face of the franchise. He sells more merchandise than most of their players combined. And you've got to give him credit. He's done a terrific job. He's in this position due to himself. And he's allowed to play it any way he wants. And if he doesn't want to take the deal, if he wants to be a free agent, that's his prerogative. Now, he did say he wanted to be a Yankee for life. Didn't mean he should take a deal he's not comfortable with. I, I Again, from what I talked all the people I talked to thought it was a reasonable offer. My understanding is the Yankees might have gone a little bit higher, but not near where he wanted to be. My understanding, and um, this is, comes with good authority, is that he wanted in total a nine or 10 year deal. Now they've come out since uh, later and said, oh, we didn't want a 10 year deal. We didn't want, you know, I mean, at least they, they haven't said it publicly, but they've kind of whispered to some other writers. And I saw A Rod say it. Uh, they said they wanted an extension of eight or nine years, which would make it a nine or 10 year deal because this year is going to be somewhere between 17 and 21 million. That's basically no, that's known at this point. And then the extension they wanted was eight or nine years. So if you figure all that in there and even take the lower of the two, which is eight year extension, still would be over $300 million that he's looking for. And the Yankees with their offer of 213.5 million over a seven-year extension, plus this year, you figure this year is about $20 million. They're around $233 million, so we're talking about a $75 million gap. So they are not close at all at this point. He said he doesn't want to talk during the season. 
They are obviously willing to talk. They don't mind the distraction. They want Aaron Judge back. I get it. They love Aaron Judge. And uh, we shall see. I, I do think guys usually stick with their um, what they've said about the about the deadline. And I don't think he's going to talk till he's a free agent. And, you know, he thinks he's uh, worth that $36 million a year at nine or ten year total. Um, you know, obviously he's not Mike Trout, but, you know, Mike Trout signed that deal at $36 million a year several years ago. The market has come up a bit with these big stars. And that's where he thinks he should be. I'm not going to begrudge him that. I do think he is taking a gamble by not uh, figuring out that deal now. I, I agree with you. I do think it's a bit of a gamble. I also agree he has been the face of this franchise. He's been phenomenal over there. There is one thing that does concern me, and that is the injuries. Um, that That is something that does scare me. However, I thought the deal that was be- that's being reported out there is a relatively fair deal. But hey, if he can get what he thinks he deserves, and by all means do it. The only thing I'm not happy about, and I mentioned it and touched on it, is that he's getting booed at Yankee Stadium. Yes, right. Um, and which is obviously, you know, you know how Yankee fans can be, you know, how all massive sports fans can be. But this happening, I mean, do you blame Judge? Do you blame the Yankees? This all this information getting out or do you think it's just kind of par for the course and just kind of part of the deal of being a Yankee? First of all, I'm never against information getting out. That's my job. Mm-hmm. So and, you know, it's not <laughs> embarrassing. It's not embarrassing information. You know, this is these are facts. Uh, I understood that to be the deal, the offer, and that's and, he, and Brian Cashman, the GM, announced what the offer was. You know, if he th- if he thinks it's embarrassing that he that he turned this down, he should have taken it. You know, I, I have no qualms about them saying what the deal is. That said, in terms of the fans, and of course, Yankee fans are fantastic, but in this case, to me, it's up to him whether he wants to take the deal or not. I guess they could say, well, he said he wanted to be a lifetime Yankee. This is a reasonable deal. In our minds, he should have taken the deal. I get that kind of second guessing. To me, I don't think he deserves to be booed based on that. I said that on Twitter, and people said, oh, it's because he struck out twice in key situations. To me, that's even worse. You know, you know, yeah. anyone could strike out twice. You know, I mean, we're early in the season here. Let's not go crazy. He's hit the ball fairly well and bad luck to this point. But, um, you know, I, I do, th- I'm with you. I think they were booing him because he didn't take that deal, which others deemed as a reason and my, myself included and you deemed as a reasonable offer. It wasn't a blow me out of the water type deal, but I think it was still a good deal. And as I said, I think they would have come up a bit. And if it were me, you know, I don't take chances. I, I probably would have signed that deal or bid it up a little bit and then signed it. But it's up to him. It's his life. The only thing I would say is he said he wanted to be a lifetime Yankee. I could see in the fans' minds, he said this, and now he didn't take this big deal. I could see why they'd be a little perturbed. perturbed. But to me, um, he's been a great Yankee, been great on the field, been great off the field. I, I don't think he deserves to be booed in, within the first five games of the season. I think that was a little bit overboard. Just my opinion. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. My opinion is that is absolutely overboard. Do not do not boo Aaron Judge at the Bronx. Come on, man. He has been the reason the Yankees have been where they have been these last couple of years, in my opinion. So looking out throughout that division, though, you know, obviously the Rays off to a great start and the Red Sox, Rafael Devers. I, I already kind of mentioned last week that he's my preseason pick for AL MVP. You know that the Red Sox already failed at getting extension with him. Um, 
And they also have an issue with uh, Bogarts coming up with these similar things. He's got multiple options coming up. What are the Red Sox going to do in this scenario? Are they going to be able to lock up Devers going forward, or are they going to try to keep Bogarts? They, they just seem like they have a litany of riches here, but not knowing how they can hold on to all of it. Yeah, I'm not sure that they are. Um, you know, obviously, Bogarts has that opt-out. After this year, he signed a hometown discount-type deal, $20 million a year. He's certainly outplayed that deal. I mean, he, to me, is the clearest guy to opt out. I know that um, DeGrom has said he's opting out at every chance that he gets, and I, and I think he will. I'm not doubting that. But to me, the most obvious guy to opt out would be Bogarts. And uh, my understanding is on both guys. Now, they are not close at this point. They tried to do something contractually with both guys and not close with either one. I will say that. And, you know, I think with Devers, I'd like to stay there a long time. And, uh, you know, he's a terrific player. I think your MVP pick looks great through the first week of the season. Um, he, He looks amazing at bat. He's in 381 as we do this. And um, I think their thought is, first of all, I think that they might be a little conservative overall, but I think their thought is that, well, he's a good third baseman now. He's turned himself into a good third baseman. Let's give him credit for that. They look at him as a guy who probably will have to go to first base before a long, long deal is up. If you give him a long deal, he's probably going to have to change positions, and then the price comes down. So I, I think that was the issue with him. And, again, they're not close with him. Bogerts, they're also not close with Bogerts. I think it's a little tricky. He's got the three years. He will opt out. So, you know, to me, it probably treat him as a free agent. But, you know, they know they have the three years there. Potentially, if he doesn't opt out, maybe that changes their thinking a bit. But I think the thing that might be in their minds is they have Trevor Story, who's now been signed for a six-year, $140 million deal playing second base. And he has been a shortstop, as we know, throughout his entire career. So I'm not sure what their motivation – I mean, to me, Bogart's a fantastic player, four-time Silver Slugger, three-time All-Star, two World Series rings. I mean, he's, to me, an incredible player. They obviously like Trevor Story, too. And, uh, you know, I think that their motivation may not be what we would think it would be to sign Bogart's, and they feel like they can, can live with Bogart's leaving and Story becoming their shortstop. And um, – that's just the way it feels at the moment. We shall see as these things go on. But I, I don't foresee see any more negotiations in season for either one because they are that far apart. Uh, well, you know, looking out throughout the rest of the league as well, you know, there's something that has been taking place over in Oakland. And what that's been has been a fire sale, um, to say the least. Uh, you saw Manaya over in San Diego getting traded. There has been a lot of rumors about Montas being traded as well. He's been heavily linked to the White Sox, but the rumor out there is that the White Sox will not part with Vaughn. Is that is he a key piece to that potential trade? And what are you hearing on Montas as far as a Frankie Montas trade is going forward? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't really have to hear anything. We know that he's going to be on the block at some point this year. He might be a deadline-type trade. He may not take, uh, you know, he may, may not... Uh, be traded immediately, but uh, we think by the August 2nd deadline, he'll probably be elsewhere. Uh, obviously, a fantastic pitcher, incredibly talented, on the rise. Also got an extra year before he's a free agent, so he's got two years to go. Manai only had one year, so they're expecting a haul. I don't blame them. Um, it's extremely valuable property. I don't think they can get Vaughn from the White Sox. They're not going to want to subtract from their 
current team, and that would certainly be doing it. And, uh, you know, I think the White Sox have done a great job bringing guys up, and they have a really good team. But right now they don't have a ton of prospects, so we're not at the major league level compared to some other teams. So I know I, I saw it written that they were getting closer to a deal. I don't think that's the case, at least as we speak here. So I I don't see the White Sox getting Montas immediately. Now I might look like a fool, you know, when this podcast is played in a couple of days, but I don't think so. I, I think it's more likely that he's traded later in the season, to, closer to the deadline. But certainly the A's could trade anybody at any time. But right now I don't see it being the White Sox. There, there are certainly at least 10 teams who are going to be interested in this guy, though. Fantastic pitcher. Yeah, I mean, there is not a single team looking around that's contending this year that couldn't use him. Can you imagine? Just look around the league. The Dodgers themselves right now could certainly use him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, any competitor right now could certainly use him. And obviously the White Sox could use him with the injuries that they're dealing with at the moment. But, John, last week we discussed a little bit, um, you know, rounding things off here on Heyman's inside corner. Last week we talked about Michael Conforto, and for a while there, towards the end of the free agent signing frenzy, everyone was saying that Michael Conforto was the last major name that was out there. Then it, the news came out that he got hurt uh, during the offseason in January, a shoulder injury, certainly not the words you want to hear out loud. Shoulder injuries are just a scary thing to, to deal with. What is the updates currently on Michael Conforto? Are there teams that are interested? How's his health? What are we looking at for Michael Conforto's future in Major League Baseball? Yeah, there are clearly teams interested, and there are teams going out there to check him out and look at the medicals, and he's being checked out uh, multiple times already. Um, you know, obviously that uh, injury, as he's doing the drill, that, that really impacted his free agency. Happened in January. You know, I don't have the medicals. I don't know the exact issue that's going on with his shoulder. Um, you know, my... I'm hearing that his swing is fine, but obviously there's more to it than that. There's also throwing, and he's working out for teams. You know, he's been connected to not only the White Sox, a team we talk about frequently here, but San Francisco, uh, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Texas, and probably others. And, um, you know, he's going to have a deal at some point. You know, is it possible? Because he's got that qualifying offer, too. So he's got a couple of issues there. That's a smaller issue than the shoulder. That's the main issue right now. But, you know... Uh, there have been free agents have waited for after the draft, so the qualifying offer goes away. He's the last free agent. Last free agent's going to have this uh, uh, albatross hanging over his neck of the qualifying offer. But, you know, I don't think that's the major factor, but uh, it is a factor for some teams, particularly when we're talking about a, a player who has just, who, who just been hurt. So, I mean, he's a terrific hitter. Uh, other than last year, was one of the better outfielders in terms of hitting in Major League Baseball. Last year, I think that the COVID situation, he came back probably too soon, probably affected him. But, uh, you know, again, he's not having, he's not going to be able to get that contract that he wanted because of this injury, it appears. And uh, it's uh, unfortunate. Uh, likely we'll have to sign a shorter deal, maybe with an opt out and uh, go from there. But, uh, Certainly been a, a disappointing uh, run for Conforto. Yeah, unquestionably a disappointing run. And probably, and you can maybe say this is another disappointing name out there, but uh, I, that's a wrong way of saying it. It's not disappointing in him. It's just more disappointing in the situation he probably finds himself in. And last week, again, here on Big Time Baseball for Odyssey Sports, we did talk about Matt Harvey, still unsigned. Do you think a team is willing to pull the trigger on Matt Harvey? We talked about the Baltimore Orioles maybe being interested, maybe a few other teams interested. He looks like he's in great shape, but 
you know, the the trial that happened this offseason, the reports that came out about him in the past, uh, our team's scared of him. Yeah, no, I think he's going to sign with the Orioles. Um, you know, I, I said last week it was close. He's still close as far as I know. And uh, throwing in, the, in Florida, and uh, I think he's going to keep throwing in Florida. One of the issues is he's got the potential ban of a few, uh, some number of games hanging over his head based on his testimony in the Eric K trial where – Obviously, Eric Kay provided the opioid and that ended up, unfortunately, tragically killing Tyler Skaggs, who obviously a very fine pitcher and a great individual, very unfortunate situation. And Eric, and Eric Kay, the former PR director of the Angels, uh, is facing a very long prison sentence. But then Harvey at that trial uh, said, uh, talked about his involvement with opioids, and it's possible that he will get that ban. And I think the Orioles are kind of waiting on that to some degree. And so that's why he's still working out by himself in, in, in Florida. And I think ultimately he will end up there and, and get to uh, restart his career. He was a very good citizen with the Orioles by all accounts. And uh, it will be an interesting potential comeback story. And we love a good comeback story. Yes, we do. And John, what can we say? This episode has been a comeback story. It's so great to talk to you again about baseball, man. Uh, honest to God, if you guys don't already follow John Heyman on Twitter, you should. At John Heyman, obviously take out everything he's doing at the New York Post and MLB Network. He mentioned it before the show. Cody, I got too many jobs. That is a fact, but I'm glad you do because there is no better voice in baseball, in my opinion, than John Heyman. Uh, you're the best, Cody. Appreciate uh, you. As you as are you guys. We're gonna take we're gonna head out and be back next week. Enjoy this week of Major League Baseball. You can follow me at Decker Six. You can follow John Heyman at John Heyman. That's it for big time baseball here for Odyssey Sports. Enjoy baseball. Be safe. Beat it. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.